0: revelation chapter 3 verse 1 to verse 6 responsively please this passage focuses on the church in sardis one of the seven churches located in present-day turkey the church in sardis revelation chapter 3 verse 1 to verse 6 i shall begin and unto the angel of the church in sardis write these things, saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received, and heard, and hold fast, and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The last two verses in unison, please. He He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Amen and Amen. May God bless us in the reading of his most holy and sacred word. We have touched on the consequence of not watching, and I hope you will take heed to the Lord's warning. And if you have taken heed, then you would be vigilant and diligent as well. And the individual believer had been taught by the Lord on the manner of watching in order to protect yourself. And the purpose in watching and the demand in watching whereby we are to help others in their watchfulness as well. We are not placed on an island without any human being. God has brought all of you together to provoke one another unto love and to good works and as co-laborers with God, you are to build up each other's faith and walk with our common Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ So what else is left? Revelation 3 verse 1 to verse 6 tells us that the focus on watchfulness must also include the local church And so when you look at chapter 3 of Revelation verse 2 Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain Now the word things is not written in greek not in the masculine gender or the feminine gender but in the neuter now neuter refers to things right like furniture the chair the table inanimate objects and that's why we know that this is a reference to the church in sardis you and i may not see the local church the way that the lord jesus christ sees the local church and that is to our loss and that is to our own hurt and that is definitely to our own detriment the local church because there are so many so many different varieties so many different versions it's like you are standing in front of a buffet spread pick and choose all of them are good for you you just Choose whichever one that you think is delicious to you This is the lie of the devil If you think that that is how you choose a local church You will definitely choose the wrong one I remember some years back A father with I think three or four children Came to me one day I think it was after a morning service My wife has decided to leave Pandan And the reason she said was because She doesn't like the preaching of God's word Because Sunday after Sunday when she comes She gets rebuked She wants messages that are pleasing to her That she likes And so when the husband said that to me I was taken aback a little bit you don't want messages that rebuke. Then straight away, in my own mind, I quickly did a quick survey of Genesis to Revelation. And then I realized that when it comes to the New Testament, all the epistles to churches were written because of church problems. And therefore contained in all the epistles would be warnings and rebuke. And that is why you find that when the apostle paul wrote the epistles to the churches he only mentioned grace and peace he did not include mercy when he wrote to peter sorry timothy and titus and philemon he wished them he greeted them with grace mercy and peace and then when you look at these pastoral epistles and his epistle to philemon they did not do anything wrong they were facing challenges as pastors in churches and so Paul wrote to them to encourage them to strengthen their faith. But to the churches in to the uh, to the churches he wrote those epistles, grace and peace. You have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have received God's grace. Mercy we know refers to punishment that we deserve that God withheld. And so if you do not repent after you have read all these epistles teaching you what is the right way to behave, the right conduct, the right understanding from God's view concerning your sins. God's mercy will end. And the next step when God's mercy ends, it will be judgment. And so the Lord perhaps withheld mercy. Not that mercy is not given, but I believe He withheld it with the warning that you cannot keep on remaining in sin, thinking that God is so merciful, then God will probably would not mind. Every time you remain in sin, you hurt the name of christ and the person around you who observe you will also be stumbled because of you and so the mercy of god is very very long but it is not infinitely long whereby you can just sin and sin and sin and procrastinate in your repentance and so maybe you can plead ignorance and so when the apostle paul addressed all these problems you can't plead ignorance anymore because in the epistles Paul's method had always been give the doctrine, then tell them how to fix the problem. For example, when they abuse the use of spiritual gifts in the church in Corinth, Paul dealt with it in chapter 14, teaching them how to stop the abuse. But before that, he spent two long chapters, chapters 13 and 12 of 1 Corinthians. Chapter 12 to explain to them the purpose of spiritual gifts. Only one person is given the head and that is the Lord Jesus Christ using the human body to describe spiritual gifts The only one who is called the head of this body of Christ is the Lord Jesus Christ and we are all parts of the body and every part of the body depends upon the head The head is the one that tells me to lift up my hand, to stretch it forward, to put it behind my back The head is the one that tells me when to open my mouth, my eyes breathe listen everything the head determines and so jesus is the head we are all parts of the body and every part is important so he gave the doctrine and the motive in the use of the gift is love chapter 13. and after giving the doctrine he now tells them stop abusing spiritual gifts and now after he sent the epistle you can't hide behind i did not know god and so when you look at all the epistles it contains rebuke Rebuke after rebuke and if so, if we do not want to listen to rebuke from the pulpit Then we must well take a knife and cut off all the epistles And then when you look at the Old Testament You can't help but realize that the books of Joshua, Judges, Kings, Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah They're all about rebuke The book of Proverbs teaching us what to do, what not to do, what to avoid 80 90 percent of god's word it's about rebuke and then when you look at the word rebuke and you change it to another more perhaps better word from a parent perspective from a loving heavenly father's perspective rather than from a judge perspective you may use it as a rebuke how did jesus christ pray in john chapter 17 his high priestly prayer before Chapter 18 revealed to us Judah's betrayal and Jesus Christ was arrested and then crucified. He prayed for the disciples. He prayed to the Heavenly Father, I do not pray, O Holy Father, that you take them out of this world. I pray, O God, that you would sanctify them by thy truth, for thy word is truth. The word sanctify is the word cleanse, the word cleanse is the word rebuke. So the cleansing agent. It's the word of God now how do you clean a dirty linen you have this basin full of detergent then you have the dirty linen as long as both of them are not in contact no matter how powerful and how good the detergent is that you have prepared the dirty linen will remain dirty unless you put the dirty linen into that basin of detergent and then you start scrubbing it and when you scrub it, you think the dirty linen is not going to feel anything you want to get rid of all the dirt the harder you scrub and that's why the Lord used the word sanctify, cleanse us and now the wife said, I don't want to come to this church and so she left for the charismatic church whereby day after day teaching you how to be healthy and wealthy and that's what she wanted and that's where she remained until the day the Lord took her home not very old, younger than me but the Lord took her home the father and the children left I think one child remained in Pandan they did not like the word of God The Lord said, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. There are certain things in the church in Sardis that the Lord Jesus Christ warned them. You still have it, but it is now breathing its last breath. It's like the wick of a candle that is about to be blown off. There is still a little bit of breath left. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to just simply do nothing? It will then die. But if you are able to do something it can still be revived now that's basically what the lord focused on when he wrote this very wonderful epistle to the church in sardis now when you look at these seven churches in the book of revelation you see a pattern similarities each and every one of them you'll find that it will end with that amazing phrase, He that hath ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Right, so it's up to you whether you listen or do not listen. It's between you and the Lord Jesus Christ. Second observation. Each and every church, the Lord Jesus Christ introduced himself differently and the manner in which he introduced himself is directly related to the main thrust of that letter. he sent to that particular church for example to the church in thyatira verse 18 the lord jesus christ described himself as the son of god who has his eyes like a flame of fire and his feet are like fine brass what's the problem with that church in thyatira you'll find that it was a church that had good points but also bad points whereby they allow a woman called jezebel to remain whereby they commit fornication, and so on And so the Lord introduced himself based upon the issue, the problem, that he had to deal with in that particular church Third observation How the Lord deal with that church The words that the Lord used is directly related to the specific nature of that city So what exactly is the nature of the city of Sardis that the church was located in? Sardis is not a city that is near the coast, it's not a seaport, but it was a city built in a manner that was on a very high hill, almost indestructible. Many have tried, even the Romans have tried to conquer it, but it was not possible they failed again and again until finally they managed to destroy it to capture it i mean and rome captured sardis in 133 bc sardis became an administrative center of rome in asia in 26 a.d the cities of the province vied to build a second temple for the cult worship of caesar sardis with her long and illustrious history was mentioned as a firm contender Ramsey wrote, It was a city whose history conspicuously and preeminently blazoned forth the uncertainty of human fortunes, the weakness of human strength, and the shortness of the step which separates overconfident might from sudden and irreparable disaster. They were struck down by an earthquake. Caesar gave them the funds to rebuild. It was a city whose name was almost synonymous with pretensions, unjustified promise unfulfilled, appearance without reality, confidence which heralded ruin. It was a city occupied by a very complacent people who were extremely satisfied with their glorious past. Now you understand. A city that took pride in what they were and because the church was in such a city you realize that that was the root of the problem of that church as well and so you see that in verse 1 these things said he that had the seven spirits of God and that's a description of Christ and the seven stars I know thy works that thou hast a name that thou livest. you see a reputation a reputation that was once upon a time very strong very very holy and godly but now in the present that what you are no longer what you were once upon a time you see watchfulness is more than just within your lifetime if the lord tarries do you want this church in bbcwa to be what it is today for yourself and for your sons and daughters in their time or are you just simply contented well as long as in my lifetime I can earnestly contend for the faith I'm happy I don't care after I die what happened to BBC WA. you may see that and say that if you are a single without any children and family but I look around me I see young families with young children If the lord tarries now we talk about perhaps this is a generation where the lord will return that's why the lord doesn't want to tell us the exact date and time but he gave us sufficient signs to help us see the nearness of his coming so that we will not be caught of guard like people who walk in darkness children who live in spiritual blindness so the lord wants us to see and understand but he wants us to always be ready but never be ready with a self-centered, selfish perspective whereby you only care for yourself. As long as I'm okay, it's fine. I don't care about what happened to BBCWA after I'm gone. Will the Lord say otherwise this evening? He is basically telling the church: Are you going to just simply let it die? So, Lord, well, I'm a child of God. I know I'm going to heaven. But after me, the next generation, none of my business. The Lord says otherwise. You have to care. Why? Because this is the Lord's church. This is not yours. This is the Lord's work. The Lord was the one who moved Dr. To's sister to give that funds to purchase this property. That's how it started. And then more and more of God's people in the past who gave up their tithe and offering, whereby you're able to purchase the neighboring properties to what it is today. Each and every generation have been given their own respective tasks and duties to keep the church going and to maintain the holy standard that God had always intended for every local church. And that's why even though this church was about to die, The Lord was concerned, the Lord was very, very concerned that He included the church in Sardis It could have very well been six churches Why do you want to bother about this church in Sardis, Lord? They only was good with a past that was holy, but the present about to die, right? Even though the Lord said you are dead Now, how did the Lord introduce himself? What did he say? I have the seven spirits of God. Now, what does it mean by the seven spirits of God? Now, this phrase appeared before in the early verses of Revelation chapter 1. The seven spirits of God. Likewise, also the phrase, the seven stars. Now, the seven stars are explained to us by the Lord himself in Revelation 1 verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in thy right in my right hand, Jesus says, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Now the angels do not refer to the angelic beings. God never at any time put a local church under the care of an angel. When you study the book of Revelation, you will find that the certain songs angels are not permitted to sing. In praise of God any hymn or songs of praise pertaining to grace and mercies angels are not permitted to sing hymns and songs of praise that merely praise god as it, just praise the lord for his greatness for his glory of all his attributes we can sing together with the angels but when it comes to the believers children of god singing hymns such as amazing grace angels will keep silence because they have never experienced god's grace God's mercies There are no angels who have fallen And then God saved them Because Jesus Christ did not come down from heaven To take on the form of an angel to save them Jesus Christ came down from heaven To take on the form of a man To save man To save us And therefore we are permitted And we are encouraged to sing such hymns In praise of the Lord From our hearts And so the angel's of the seven churches has to refer to the leaders in particular human beings the elders because the word angel simply means messengers right messengers that's what it is and so they refer to the leaders of the church you are put as under shepherd of God's flock every time uh, the chairman or the pastor who stands from the pulpit looks down at all of you he must only see one thing sons and daughters of the most high god that the lord has saved and left behind and placed in their care and charge whereby you are to feed them nurture them protect them and at times when they stray away to rebuke and to discipline them if necessary to stray away bring them back to the path of holiness and that is how you must always look at The congregation, they are not the pastors. They do not belong to the pastor. The pastor must never at any time ever think that all of you are his. That kind of ministry is called cultic. Where you draw men's loyalty and attention to yourself. Which the Apostle Paul warns us. After his departure in Acts 20, there are two kinds of enemies. We touched on that earlier concerning roaring lion, the devil, who will be outside. In that chapter, the Bible describes it as grievous wolves, waiting to devour the flock. And then the second problem, enemies from within, whereby men will rise up and then they're going to draw other men unto themselves. That's cultic, isn't it? one step beyond cultic would be a cult whereby the pastor will make you dependent upon him as if he is the one who becomes your savior he is the one who help you change your life he is never the one the only one who can change your life is the lord jesus christ we thank God for our leaders we thank God for our pastors I thank God for Reverend whom God used to found FEBC if not for what what he did by his obedience to God's calling I would not have my theology straightened in FEBC and I cannot even dare to imagine what my life would have been like living the life of a Christian in my previous church in all sincerity but sadly, tragically, in error and you and I know that just because i'm sincere doesn't mean that how i live is right and acceptable to god and so i'm grateful and i'm thankful to revento for his obedience to the lord but ultimately the one that i really thank god for is god himself and same with Dr. Toh, if he had not started Calvary Pandan and started Sunset Gospel Hour, I would not have known the truth and crossed from my old church to Calvary and God used the Sunset Gospel Hour to call me into full-time ministry. And so I have so many people in my life, in my journey as a Christian to thank God for them. But ultimately, God was the one. The loyalty that we all must have has always got to be focused on the Lord Jesus Christ alone We are thankful but we must always follow any man including our pastor only if he follows the Lord That's the Apostle Paul's teaching by inspiration from God Follow anyone as long as they follow Christ If they don't, you don't follow No blind loyalty Please, very deadly and dangerous and so god said angels of the seven churches and so he mentioned this to the church in sardis basically he is focusing on the seven stars that means i am the one who is in charge of all the churches including the one in sardis so if the church is about to be revived if the church is about to die who do you think will be the focus and target audience of christ the leaders They are the ones who will have direct control They are the ones who plan the program They are the ones who will either build up the faith or destroy Very important And you have the privilege to help, to elect, to pray for And therefore the focus in watching this evening is on the church We have been focusing on the individual We also focus on you and others, but now the church as a whole. How do you look at the church? Now before that, I must not forget to identify for you the seven spirits of God. How do we know that it refers to the Holy Spirit? Isaiah 11 verse 2. Isaiah 11 verse 2 is the key to help us unlock the meaning of this phrase. The Seven Spirits of God, Isaiah eleven two. 2. Verse 1 for context. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, that is Jesus, right? Verse 1 is referring to Jesus. Verse 2 refers to the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of counsel, the Spirit of might, the Spirit of knowledge, and the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. Now, if you count them, you'll find exactly seven Spirit of the Lord, 1. Wisdom, 2. Understanding, 3. Counsel, 4. Might, 5. Knowledge, 6. Fear of the Lord, seven. Basically, it describes the ministry of the Holy Spirit and what He is and what He does in our lives and in the life of the Lord. And so when the Lord here introduced Himself in this manner in Revelation chapter 3, verse 1, I have the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. In other words, I control the church and since I am the one, who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. God the Father sent the Son, the Son sent the Holy Spirit. Salvation is in the Lord's hand. Whether the church will revive, whether the church will die, is in the Lord's hand. And the leaders of the church have been entrusted with this responsibility where God can use you to revive the church if you would obey and submit to Him. Basically, that's His intent when He introduced Himself in this manner. It is directly related to the problem of that particular church And in the church in Sardis They sat on their laurels and kept on holding on to the past And they have forgotten how important and significant the present state is Therefore the Lord said to them Be watchful, the same word, Gregory Be watchful, awake Be spiritually awaken to the sad state and dangerous state that you are in and then he encouraged them strengthen yourself the things which remain the word strengthen means to turn resolutely resolutely in a determined direction and so the law basically wants to awaken the church starting with the leaders that's why he mentioned the seven stars I am the head. I have placed each and every leader in every church that still honors the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let it die in your care. Don't let it die in your care. Once it is after your care, it's in the hands of another person and that other person will be held responsible. But as long as you are alive, you have to maintain it and you have to make sure that you provide for the next generation the best way you know how and hand over a church that is sound that is good that is spiritually healthy and strong so what exactly is your concept of a healthy and a strong church if you do not know that then you would not know what to do so what in your understanding of the doctrine of the church according to the bible is a strong, healthy church that is pleasing to God now we know that you don't need to have a physical property to be a church right? you see that very commonly in Singapore because properties in Singapore are expensive and so many churches, they just simply meet on the Lord's Day they pay rent and then after the service, they disperse to their own homes And then in between during the weekdays they will find some members home or some other avenues venues i mean for their meetings but then once a week every lord's day they assemble based upon a rented premises that is convenient that is central to majority of the church members and when the church continues to grow they look for a larger premises and they are still called a church and so it doesn't have to be Locked down in a physical property. But thank God that you can have a physical property. So we always thank God that we have a physical property in Calvary Pandan. It helps. It helps to have a physical property. So that any time of the week, God's people can assemble and gather. Especially during these past two and a half years of the pandemic. It helps a whole lot to have a property. But it is expensive every month we pay about $30,000 to stay in that property we do not want to purchase it it is only good for 30 years at the end of 30 years jtc will write to us again do you want to renew the lease for another 30 years and the last time if i remember correctly the offer was two options you pay a lump sum of a two-figure million of dollars i think 12 million or something today i can't remember the exact number but it's double digit or rental and the rental will have a contract whereby after a certain number of years it will increase by how many percent and so we opted for the rental and so now we pay rental It used to be twenty over thousand dollars now it is i think nearly thirty thousand dollars every month we pay rent in order for us to remain in that church so is it a building? if it's just a building then just beautify your church Go plate all those taps that you have in your kitchen and in your toilet it's just a building right? is the Lord referring to the building? strengthen the things is He referring to the building? of course not I hope you really think that it's not the building because there are some churches they are very proud of their buildings you know how much new creation paid for their premises they share joint venture with capital Land initially and the whole premises cost one billion dollar they pay half 500 million dollars to look after one half of the premises it is called star vista and then uh, recently a year or two back they bought over the other half from capital land and if i remember correctly they pay more than 400 million dollars and so basically their whole property is worth nearly a billion sing dollar that's a lot of money and then they have their competitor not new creation new Creation's competitor is city harvest kong he he is very famous or infamous because of his jail time for embezzling millions of dollars from the church they have a building that is worth about $46 million in uh, Jurong East, I think. Jurong West, very far in. $46 million. They have a cross that they boast of, six figure, $100,000. They cover their circular staircase using a special kind of material that they boasted on their website when they were constructing it that they are the first country in this part of the world that used this material that they obtained from some part in europe again i think six figure just to cover the ugliness of the circular staircase that they put right on the rooftop why they did that in foolishness i do not know they are Sanctuary is in the basement and they want to have a sanctuary that has no column in between So in order for them to do that, the ceiling is three meter thick of solid concrete To take the load and weight of all the stories that are above it, including the car park Why would you put the car park that requires the most amount of weight right on the rooftop And then you put the sanctuary that doesn't need to have a roof that could be very light if you were to put it right at the very top but they put it at the bottom I do not know the upside-down concept whereby it cost them $46 million Pandan Church when we was completed it was I was if I remember correctly two over million dollars we did our renovation also two million dollars so five million at most with all the rental maybe add another million six million we have a nice building the 46 million and now too small for their Congregation of more than 10,000 Building, very important to so many people Is the Lord referring to strengthen the building? No Then what is it? What exactly is a healthy church to you? A healthy church, when you look at the people Must have a healthy spectrum of people Because the healthy spectrum of people Will tell you that this church is healthy spiritually because the things there will definitely have to be spiritual things things that are eternal in the church not physical that are temporal not the size of your congregation not the kind of modern furniture that you have so what is a healthy spectrum of the physical the people in the church the healthy spectrum my understanding is it must have New believers When you have new believers, it means that this church has a very healthy evangelistic arm Whereby the congregation would go out and give the gospel and share Christ Or they will invite their loved ones and friends to keep coming So it must have a lot of new believers In order for us to know and see whether you have a good evangelistic arm And then you must have a lot of elderly people Families with just only young children all the time Would mean that this church doesn't have a good teaching ministry Because you and I know that when you listen to God's Word And if the pastor doesn't keep on studying God's Word Keep on studying God's Word Very soon, he's going to repeat himself and once he repeats himself you realize that you can't grow in grace and in the knowledge of the lord jesus christ anymore and very soon you will say bye bye you're going to find some other pastors that you may think it is greener for you to grow to the next level and so a healthy spectrum where you have a good evangelism whereby you have mature believers and in between you must have enough ministries to cater to the growing congregation with all their respective individual challenges in life so you must have a wide spectrum from new believers to mature believers good evangelistic arm and a good preaching and teaching ministry because we want to teach and preach to the same people over and over and over again so that you will continue to grow and grow because the moment the pastor the leader the teacher the preacher all stop growing you will also stop growing and whatever we preach you will not be able to have anything more to learn and you and I know that the Bible is an amazing book that if a child were to study it it is like a shallow pond that a child can understand and then when you have the most mature believer like the Apostle Paul who can dive into the Bible and like a very deep deep well and no matter how deep he swims he will never touch bottom That's why Paul says I continue to pursue After the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord While he was languishing in prison Very soon he will be martyred And he said I still have so much more to know about the Lord And you can study the Bible a hundred thousand times And the hundred and thousand And one time you still learn new things That's the amazing thing about the Bible No other book written by man Will have that kind of depth the Bible doesn't require a second or new edition. You know that. All the books of man, every kind of arts or science that you can think of, always have new additions. Either they become obsolete, completely replaced, or you have to put in new thoughts, new ideas, new inventions. You know that in every field. You know that better than me. But in the Word of God, you also know that it can never be replaced no need for new additions what you have here is the perfect word of God and so what the Lord says when you have to strengthen what are the spiritual things that this church needs to strengthen how is your evangelism? are you very contented with just yourself? no burden for your neighbor who is an unbeliever no burden for colleagues or friends for anyone do you not know any sinner in your life who needs Christ? I'm sure the church will remind you that this service is going to be evangelistic in nature this is going to specifically be a gospel meeting would you pray and ask the Lord to lay upon your heart someone or a few people that you would invite and introduce and bring or you have no one no one in your life who is an unbeliever who needs Christ I don't think so I don't think God will ever ever allow that to happen to any of His children whereby they do not need to witness for Jesus to a sinner who needs the Saviour your children your children if you do not have any outsider your children how are you bringing up your children, parents? when we were bringing up our children one of the things we did was to tell our children we know that all of us are social people we know that it is through your social friends that you're going to find ultimately your life partner and so we taught our children when they were growing up when they were in primary school secondary school as they were growing up we remind them your social life must be church friends Your school life you will have school friends we can't stop that we encourage that right because nowadays they have group project and so on you share homework and you school friends but your social life church friends and so if this is our philosophy we have to turn a philosophy into something practical and concrete to help our children to develop this to encourage them and so when they were growing up even when they were in infants We always attend church camp because we realize that church camp would be the best time for ourselves and also for our children. And as they grow up in our church, there are a lot of children who are our children's peers, same age group. And so they literally grew up together. Literally. So through church camps, they make friends. Friends with other children of the same age group. At the the end of the camp, having spent five nights and six days, Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, they see each other. When the parents are having the messages, they have their own classes. And they will study God together, they will pray together, and obviously during meal times they will ask mom and dad, can we sit together as well with so-and-so's children? Sure. We encourage that. And then lunchtime, also afternoon time, when we have family time together, they will go to the swimming pool and then they will swim together, play together. Encourage them. And so when they come back to church the following that sunday after the end of the church camp what do you think they can't wait to be, to, to be in church of course at that age the reason why they want to go to church is because they want to meet their friends again that they have been spending five nights and six days with and that continued year after year after year and so you literally watch them grow together and so we thank god that that helped our children so much so that when they are old enough and one day they ask dad mom Can we go out with our friends this time school friends now they're old enough so we say sure go we can't stop them now when they were young we can control them as they reach teenage years it's very hard and then after they went out they came back mom dad i don't think we want to go out with them anymore why because the language they use different the things they like different the things they don't like different everything was different they found out of place and then I reflect upon what our children shared with us. If we have not given to them those early years where social friends have this Christian flavor, where they are out with their friends, the language they use, the things they like, the things they do not like, are common based upon Scripture, based upon the Bible if they had not had a taste of this for so many years and then when they taste society, social relationships, social going out together with non-Christian friends they realize that this is what we don't want because they find it very disturbing and now we thank God not having that kind of desire has now become a conviction when they were doing what we asked them they are doing it because mom and dad who are their parents telling them but now that they are grown up old enough to decide on their own and then they came back and they tell us we don't want to go out in that manner anymore that has become a conviction and they made the right choice but if we had not given them that alternative that early taste of a kind of fellowship with fellow believers of their own age group i dare not imagine if that is the only flavor the only taste that they would have they think that social gathering will be that kind of flavor only it will be disastrous they will drink they will disturb people they will behave like the world it frightened me and so I thank God that my wife and I we are of the same mind in this respect for our three children. And so when it comes for them to find a life partner would you be surprised that my two daughters the husbands are from the church. We also watch them grow up. We know the parents already. There is no need for us to have any big interview. If it's someone outside, I don't even know the person's background. I have not met the parents, and most likely parents are not even believers. All these frightening experiences, we thank God that we do not have to face them. Now, my son is the only one who is not yet married, but thank God his girlfriend is also from the church. We know the parents. We also saw her grow up in the church. Same doctrine, same faith. They love the Lord. Does the church, do you as a parent, provide this for your children in the church? With all these activities, you would encourage them to participate in for their spiritual well-being. Strengthen this aspect where evangelism, saving the souls of your own children, is a priority in your life. Do you want that? It's up to you. That's what the lord says it's up to you the leaders can provide all the avenues but if you do not want to take advantage of them it's not going to do you any good that's why do not treat church life as an appendix but the very fabric heart and soul of your existence for your children's sake if not for your own sake well you're going to heaven fine do you not want them to join you it is very sad to see young people leave the Lord and allow the world to grip their heart this was what was shared to my wife and me just this afternoon that one young man that we knew but we were told that he left the church for the world I knew him he was with us in Panda and I feel very sad because I remember his face, remember talking to him, remember welcoming him, remember asking our people in Pandan to fetch him when he arrived. And now to be told that he has left the Lord's people because of the world. Each and everyone who does that will break the heart of the pastor. Do you know that? It hurts. It's very sad. But we know there is nothing we can do but to keep at it and keep on preaching, keep on teaching. That's the best we can do for the Lord. And praying that you all will be sufficiently fed with God's word, strong enough to ward away and ward off the attacks and the wiles of the devil. Evangelism. And then, another thing that you need to strengthen perhaps is fellowship christian fellowship this is a topic that i struggle with now of course not because my f- friend is a tree right please <laughs> please that's not the it's christian fe- i ask myself many times what exactly is christian fellowship because this past few years before covid and during covid I thought there were some members in my congregation who were my friends You know, you are, we cannot be close to everyone, but there are some who are closer They left or about to leave Some left because of church discipline I can understand they do not want to be disciplined, they do not want to repent They were co-laborers with us in the leadership They committed transgression and we have no choice but to discipline them. We tried to help them and restore them, but they were upset and they were angry. And we thought we were friends. Served together, fought the battle together, prayed together, laughed together, wept together, did so many things together for more than 20 over years. And then when they committed a transgression serious enough to be disciplined, we thought we have to do what we need to do instead of covering up. But sadly, tragically, they were upset and angry, the family left. And so I asked myself, what exactly is Christian Fellowship? Does it mean that we help cover up each other's transgression? And then the latest encounter is, this person was once upon a time serving together with us in the leadership. And now he is vacillating between whether to stay or not to stay in Pandan. I texted him. I WhatsApp him, asking him if there's anything, can we meet up and speak? He says, no need, it's okay. When you do not want to meet, what else can I do? And so, sometimes I wonder, when we are together, what exactly is it that we should do, whereby in the months ahead, that if we have encountered any form of misunderstanding, let me know. I am very ready to say sorry to you Please I am prepared to say sorry If you want me to apologise to you From the pulpit in front of the whole church I will do it too Because I do not want to be the one To drive you out of the church Because of pride or whatever Sometimes I may have hurt you I don't even know it Let me know I will apologise Because we are a family And we are going to be together forever and ever. And therefore, when you speak of fellowship, is it just simply gather together, have a meal, and then that's it? Because that was what I thought for the past 20 over years. And some families, we even went on holidays together, traveled together. And yet, sadly, tragically, that does not seem to be enough. Because when issues and problems arise, all those many, many moments together seem to just evaporate 99% of good times are forgotten because of 1% of hurt can our 20 year of relationship and fellowship be measured and summarized by 1% of hurt and the 99% of good times where we laugh, we cry, we serve, we pray together means nothing is that how you also look at fellowship where you only major on the pain and hurt and you forget the blessed moments that we spend together because if you remember the blessed moments together there are definitely many many more of them than the hurt then maybe if you remember the good times then the hurt may not be so painful so severe that will allow you and me to reconcile would you do that Or is this church where the fellowship is only skin deep? Where it's only superficial? You know what and when the test will be? When you have a misunderstanding. When you have a misunderstanding, that will be the litmus test of whether your relationship, your so-called fellowship, whether it is for a year or for 10 years, seems it doesn't matter. It's the depth of it. And if that misunderstanding will tear you apart, one will stay, one will go then you realize that we never truly have genuine spiritual fellowship because if it is truly genuine and spiritual the Lord tells us love covers a multitude of sin does the love of the Lord Jesus Christ not sufficient enough to cover our sin towards each other whereby we will sit down and talk and weep together and forgive one another Jesus is never wrong, He says He can and if He says He can, that means our love for each other is absent Because if it can, then it should heal It should restore No matter what the hurt, what the betrayal might be For Jesus' sake Can it not be? So how is your fellowship? Can you strengthen it? Can you turn around and resolutely fix it? Deepen it and do your part We know that you cannot solve everyone's. Everyone has to cooperate Because there's a fellowship among this entire congregation but begin with yourself start with yourself so that the fellowship is true is genuine is sincere whereby you are deeply convicted that as long as this church is sound and good and continues to earnestly contend for the faith this is going to be the church by the grace and mercies of God that I'm going to be in together with my family until the Lord returns that means with this conviction whatever hurt or pain that you're going to experience that we're sure to have The more you share your life together, the more this kind of interaction will result in misunderstanding and hurt. Would you forgive one another and help one another? Strengthen that so that you will not allow yourself, because of pride, because of lack of true fellowship, you say farewell. And you and I know that out there is the wilderness please don't let that be your desire for anyone within the church you know out there is the wilderness right spiritually speaking if there is a sound good biblical church out there there is no need for BBCWA to be founded you know that and the reason why it is founded was because many of the migrants from Singapore from Pandan Church they gave the Macedonian call to Dogoto. please come and help us and that's why Dogoto came that's why Dogoto's sister gave that large amount of money to purchase the property When Dogoto shared with the older sister and she out of love for the Lord Jesus Christ and God's people she just gave expecting nothing in return for the Lord's sake would you strengthen the fellowship strengthen evangelism would you strengthen the teaching and the preaching of this ministry in the church would you do that or would you just simply let it be would you do your part please get the best teacher to teach sunday school you may be teaching the same subject over and over again but the children are listening to you for the first time god's word so always give your best please don't ever think that it is routine it is a mere ritual always be prayerful because every time you stand in front of a class you are wrestling against principalities and powers it's a spiritual battle every time. Don't forget that. And you are speaking in place of God to little ones. Why do you think, of all the ages who receive God's word, only one age group? The Lord says, it is better for you if you were to teach wrongly and stumble them, better for you to tie a millstone around your neck and cast yourself into the Sea of Galilee. The little ones behind. Because at that age, they do not have the ability to discern right and wrong. But everything you say, they accept it as gospel truth. That's why you must make sure that whatever you preach and teach is absolutely 100% correct. And you know what? Some teachers do the greatest damage to God's word. Not because they taught wrongly. But the manner in which they teach God's word is so dull and so boring and all they ever did is to regurgitate the facts and children, generation of the generation, will come and listen and they find the Bible is just a book that is good for the past. Because the teachers do not know how to draw the lesson and make it contemporary and applicable to children. How many times you taught Goliath and David? and then you're excitedly talk, wow david swing the stone and then bomb hit goliath and then he fell and then you did with all the sound and all the wonderful passion and then that's it but what is the lesson what is the spiritual lesson behind that account of goliath and david you look at the words you come to me in the arm of the flesh i come to you in the name of the living god that's the spiritual lesson so you teach your children Correctly If you don't They go to school The teacher one day come And they call you You know what your son did Your son took a stone And threw at the bully <laughs> Where do you learn it from Sunday school teacher He said Goliath see, that's a Goliath to me He comes and attack me I take a stone I will walk You see You don't tell the truth You don't teach a spiritual lesson And that's all the child knows Even though the bully Is not called Goliath But to him It's like Goliath spiritual lesson teach a child every time you go to school you face a bully it's a spiritual battle you pray you ask the Lord to help you you don't throw stone huh you pray and you ask the Lord to help you because when you witness for Christ you always go in the strength of the Lord teach the spiritual lesson so that the Bible must be understood by the children as very current and very practical for the young and for the oldest Don't let them see the Bible is just an old book, only good, like Jack and Jill went up the hill. Nothing to change and touch my life. It's a book that is always current and applicable for everyone throughout the ages. That's why you have to make sure that the preaching and the teaching ministry in the church is vibrant, is passionate, it is accurate. Don't ever let anyone think that the Bible is boring. A boring teacher will make the word of God boring and students will think the Bible is boring instead of the teacher. Do you know that? Don't teach without life. Don't teach without passion. This is the book of life. Teach with heart and soul and passion. How to do that? Let every lesson that you teach touch your own heart first. And once it touches your own heart it's natural for you to teach with passion because you have been transformed by you're now sharing your life what you have learned and what the word of god has changed you with the students and the students will understand if the word of god has changed teachers life it can also change mine but if you teach it as if you are remote like you're teaching mathematics and geography then how can the child see the bible as the book of life strengthen the teaching ministry. So that you will be the best teacher that the lord has called you to be and keep on improving keep on praying keep on studying strengthen all the things that are about to die in the church in sardis and so the lord told them i still care you know that but you have to stop thinking back of what you were in the past how great and how glorious and how holy you were in the past that was the sin that was the problem but these are all ready to die but not dead yet for i have not found i worked perfect before me not complete not perfect that means there are a lot of improvement all you need is to obey and so the lord says remember remember when it first started when the church was first founded how good and how strong and how vibrant you were." and so the lord used four verbs Remember therefore how thou hast received Receive what? God's word How the word of God was preached to you How the church was founded Who founded it? We do not know But the word of God was given And they received it They heard it And then they held fast to it And then they repented When the word of God chastised and convicted them And that process, this process must continue That's what the Lord wanted to ask them to remember in the present what it was like in the past. Isn't that the main purpose of the Lord's Supper? To remember what it was like when you first met the Lord Jesus Christ on the day of your salvation, how you received the gospel, how you heard the gospel, how you held fast to the gospel by believing in the gospel, and you repented of your sin, and you were born again in Christ where the first love was hot and burning brightly in your soul. How is it today? Do you need the Lord's Supper? And only the Lord's Supper to remind you, should it not be a daily reminder to us how wonderful a Saviour we have and how wonderful and abundant a life that we have in Christ Jesus, a life that is no longer measured by the abundance of what we possess, but our walk with our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if therefore thou shalt not watch Now this is if therefore means Jesus is not saying that you have not done it Neither is he saying that you are doing it He is now asking you a probability Do you want to do it? In other words, it's not too late It's not too late You can still change I will come on thee as a thief And thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee So he doesn't want to catch any one of us, of God, in spiritual deadness and darkness. That's why he gave the warning. You know the Lord has always been very merciful to every local church. He loved the local church witness, just as he always loved. The national witness, no matter how Israel kept on sinning, he sent prophets of the prophets of the prophets to help them. When they were in the period of judges, he sent judges of the judges judges to help them. He did not give up on them. Even though they replaced him with idols, even though they gave up on the Lord so many times, as long as there are believers in the church, the Lord will continue to help that church, even though they might be the few. You can see that in verse 4. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. In other words, majority of the members in that church were not good But there were a few that were still worthy believers, obedient, holy And that was enough for the Lord to not just simply walk away you know the meaning of the word Ichabod? It's a Hebrew word Ichabod means the glory of God has departed You do not want the Lord to pronounce on BBCWA WA ichabot. And the Lord doesn't want to pronounce Ichabod to you. As long as there are a few who are born again in Christ, as long as the children of God are there, the disciples of Christ are there in that church, even though there are a few, the Lord cares. And all the Lord wants is for the rest, to obey and to repent and to return. And He wanted you to remember that first moment in time with these four verbs. I do not know the... State that you are in spiritually you all look fine to me but you and I know that appearance can be very very deceptive and what I see should not mean anything to you it's what the Lord sees that should matter the most to you, isn't it true? and you and I know the Lord, His eyes are omniscient He is also omnipresent and He is also omnipotent And when he sees with his omniscient eyes He sees everything Your mind, your thought, your motives He's present, he hears every word He sees every deed, every action And we all know that we are always work in progress And therefore all of us need change We all need to improve We all need to draw nigh to God And draw nearer to God And that's why I believe the Lord gave us this epistle to the church in Sardis, not about sin of Jezebel or Balaam in other churches, but a church that kept on remembering only the past and sit on the past and forget the importance of the present. It is good to be faithful in the past, no doubt, but that does not give us the right to be slothful and unfaithful in the present. Imagine what happened to Moses if the Lord were to say to him after he smote the rock twice when the Lord said to him to speak to the rock. He had been faithful for 39 years of his life. This was nearly the end of his 40 years of serving the Lord in the wilderness. And if the Lord were to say to Moses, Okay, one last chance, huh? no more. Okay, no more. Moses, oh, sure, 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 no more. What message do you think the Lord will send to the rest of Israel? The message will simply be this. Those who serve the Lord faithfully, you can sin a bit here, sin a bit there in the present, and the Lord will close both eyes. You see what he did to Moses? That's why when Moses begged God in prayer, please let me finish the mission and conquer the rest of the promised land. God said to Moses, stop praying this prayer. It's not going to be answered. Joshua will take over and complete the mission on your behalf. That's why the Lord said to Moses, when the Lord called him up to the mountain and took him home. The Lord said, Moses' eyes were not dim, his health was not weakened. He was still physically very strong. You know why? Please don't see that as a commendation. That is not a commendation. That is to let Moses know, you cannot use blindness of eyes and weakness of body as an excuse not to finish the mission. Everyone knows that you did not and could not finish the mission because of sin that you have committed against the Lord by smiting the rock twice when I told you to speak to the rock once. If his eyes were dim and his body was weakened, could he not say that? Oh, you know why I could not finish the mission? My eyes were dim, my bodies were weak, right? For personal reasons, health reasons. But the Lord would not give him the legitimate health reasons. And so the Lord kept him him healthy until the Lord took him home. Thank God for past victories, but make sure that in the present you remain just as faithful if not more faithful because that's exactly what the Lord wanted for the church in Sardis and I believe for all of us as well. And so the Lord says, he that overcometh from focusing on obedience, now you've got to focus on overcoming. The same shall be clothed in white raiment like the one in verse 4 because the Lord says it's not too late. God can deal with you and relate with you just as he will relate to the few who remain faithful. The same shall be clothed in white raiment and I will not blot his name out of the book of life. Salvation again. Please do not think that backsliding or giving up on the Lord and stop living a holy life is a small transgression. Just because you've been living a holy life in the past doesn't mean that you need not live a holy life today. All the more you should continue. But some of us may be the opposite. You may feel that because you have done something so wrong against the Lord, that you feel unworthy, like Peter, to serve the Lord again. Right? Because you have failed the Lord so badly, and you feel miserable and convicted. That I'm unworthy, like Peter, denied the Lord three times. That's why he went back fishing, until the Lord restored him. Using the same three times, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? Sometimes when we fail the Lord in the past, the Lord knows. The Lord allowed it just like the Lord allowed Peter to deny him three times. It's not because the Lord now wants to sideline you and not use you again. But do you learn from that mistake? And what was the mistake that Peter learned from that encounter of denying the Lord three times when the Lord needed him the most to stand with him? Peter was usually very much a man full of himself, self-confidence. And the Lord needed to replace self-confidence with God-confidence. And as long as Peter was still full of self, he could not be used as a leader to start the local church witness. And so the Lord had to teach him a very painful lesson. And that's why when the Lord restored him, God used the same method with only one big difference. When the Lord caught him the first time, the fishing, the net broke too many fishers and God said, you are going to be a fisher of man but then when the Lord restored him they were also fishing, fished all night and caught nothing and then the Lord came and said, cast on the other side and then the net was full but this time around the net was about to break but did not break and then they brought all the fish to shore and then the Lord said, alright Peter you can count now Peter counted 153 now Peter as an expert fisherman understood this kind of net, this kind of design Maximum this kind of number of fish, about to break but did not break. And that was the illustration, the lesson that Peter received from the Lord. You experienced that denial three times before the cock crow. It is not meant to destroy you completely and to sideline you, you can't be used anymore for the Lord. Because when the Lord resurrected from the dead, the Lord appeared to the disciples, one time two times three times four times five times the lord did not broach the subject of peter's denial that's why in john chapter 21 peter thought that the lord doesn't want him anymore he is unworthy he failed the lord so badly he went back fishing so the lord had to help him restore him and that's the encounter that's why that chapter i call it 153 153 the lord knows your breaking point he will not break you he will just simply have to remove all the dross all the pride and all the self-confidence so that God confidence can have a room in your heart in your mind and in your life and that's what Peter learned and he continued to struggle with that all the days as you study the book of Acts and wherever his life is mentioned same with us if you may have failed the lord in the past no matter how badly please realize that the lord has not taken you home yet why because like peter the lord knows learn from it improve and be a better servant of the lord from henceforth and help the church grow from strength to strength and if the lord tarries and it is time for this generation to be taken home may we leave behind a healthy, strong, spiritual church for our sons and daughters to continue to earnestly contend for the faith once delivered unto the saints so watchfulness begin with yourself so that you will not be a casualty when you help to watch others and help them to be stable and strong in their watchfulness but now do it also at the church level so that this church is truly a home away from home when people who come in they will have a foretaste of what heaven is like because this is the place where Jesus is head the word of God is faithfully taught the gospel according to scripture is faithfully preached and this is the place where the family of God lives together love together serve together pray together and fellowship together I'd like to conclude by sharing with you a testimony. On New Year's Day 1929, Georgia Tech played UCLA in the Rose Bowl. In that game, a man named Roy Wriggles recovered a fumble for California. Somehow he became confused and started running in the opposite direction. One of his teammates outdistanced him and caught up to him and brought him down so that he could not score for the opposing team. He felt so miserable. The strange play came in the first half and everyone was asking the same question. What will the coach do with Roy Wiggles in the second half? He failed the team so badly. The second was going to start. The coach looked at the team and then he said simply, "Men." The same team that played the first half will start the second. The players all got up and started out into the field, but Roy Riggles sat down, refused to budge. And the coach called him and said to him, Roy, didn't you hear me? Then Roy Riggles looked up and his cheeks were wet with tears. Coach, I can't do it. I have ruined you. I've ruined the team, the university. I ruined myself. I couldn't face that crowd in the stadium to save my life. Then the coach reached out and put his arms on Riggle's shoulder and said to him, Roy, get up, go on back, the game is only half over. And Roy Riggle went back and he played in such a manner that the people who watch football had never seen before. The coach put his arm around him, encourage him. It's the second half. Give your best. Well, the Lord want to put his arm around you, as long as you have breath, live for him. Whether you have a day, a week, a month, a year, live for him. Whatever you may have done in the past, you may be ashamed of, you may have felt so great a failure. The Lord could have taken you home if the Lord does not want you to serve Him anymore. But He has left you behind, has He not? And that means serve Him faithfully. For some of us, don't sit on your laurels. For others, perhaps, of a bad failure in the past. But the Lord put His arm around you of him. Let us pray.